Welcome, friends and fiends. This is your host, film critic and comedian, Nate Wyckoff. And I'm here to tell you about an exciting giveaway that Warner Brothers Discovery and Colton Classic Films LLC has put together to build your 4K Ultra HD film collection on digital. We are giving away four codes which contain digital 4K Ultra HD versions of Rebel Without a Cause, Maltese Falcon, and Cool Hand Luke. These are films that you absolutely must know as a film buff. You can get this code by being one of the lucky four people we pull from our newsletter list. So go to coltonclassicfilms.com slash newsletter and give us your email and your name and we'll sign you up for the newsletter and we will enter you in the competition. That's all you got to do. So please go ahead and do that. The contest ends on April 30th and we will send out the winning codes on May 1st. Thank you so much for being a listener. And here's your episode of Colton Classic Films Podcast. Welcome to Colton Classic. <laughs> Welcome, friends and fiends, to another very special episode of Colton Classic Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Nate Wyckoff, film critic and comedian. And we've got a good panel here to interview uh, what in our circle is sort of a superstar. I'm very excited <laughs> for it. Uh, with us, as usual, we have Tad Mastroianni. How you doing, Tad? Ah, uh, lethargic. Oh, good. Well, then, perfect. I'm glad you can keep the energy high. Jeff Tucker, how are you doing, Jeff? What's up? In honor of Chris, I'd like to be known by my street gang name, Crazy Molasses, for the show. Thank you. Crazy Molasses. <laughs> yep. That's because of the beard or the speed. I'm not sure. But uh, we also have with us Mandy Longley. How are you doing, Amanda? I'm good. I'm pumped up today. Yeah, yes. Awesome. Yeah, we're doing an earlier recording because I don't understand how time zones work. So uh, our special guest, if you haven't figured it out, and if you haven't, I don't know why, because it says it on the title of this podcast, but it is Chris Seaver, filmmaker, writer extraordinaire. How are you doing, Chris? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, uh, I'm in Rochester, New York, and... You know, upstate Western New York is known for the shit weather. Um, oh, yeah. One day it could be 40 degrees. The next it's 75. And today it's 75. Woo! So it's that been is, a really great day. <laughs> that is excellent. I think we're, uh, all of our panel, except for me, are in New Hampshire. So they understand your vibe. And I'm, of course, in, in Palm Springs, California, where it's about 95 today. So oh, I would take rough. it. I would it's take rough. it. rough. Yeah, the pool looks real inviting right now. Uh, yeah, so this is great. So I'm going to just, I think a lot of our listeners at this point um, are familiar with some of your work, Chris. Uh, we on this podcast have covered two of your films, Moist Fury from 2010, the uh, near post-apocalyptic future street gang movie, all of Savage Streets, I'll give it that. And uh, we recently did The Weirdsies uh, from 2015, which is your coming of age Stand By Me parallel flick. You said something super interesting to me uh, when you first listened to, to us cover Moist Fury. I think you said you've made about 60 films and you like about 15 of them. Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you can count them on two hands. You know what I mean? Uh, it, it was rough goings. There's a, you know. Well, so, I know. so uh, people are always shocked at that. But like, you know. I mean, well, I mean, Roger Corman probably doesn't like a lot of his catalog as well. I will yeah, give. You know, not everything I do, I enjoy. Uh, <laughs> do you enjoy uh, it during the process when you're making it? Sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> so, what gets you up in the morning to do it? 
Uh, I mean, I love, I really do love life. I mean, I love, uh, you know, I love my family and friends and stupidity and absurdity. And I love geekdom and, you know, uh, I would be perfectly fine if I didn't have this damn stupid fire burning in me to make this crap. Um, I can sort of relate um, because I don't know if you've dabbled in the podcast. I know you have a YouTube channel and stuff, but creating a podcast is sort of like leaning out your window with a plastic bag wrapped over your head and screaming. Um, Somebody might hear you, but only if they're really, really close uh, or you have a clear bag and they're good at reading lips. And I, I I think that what totally, because there's so much to talk about here. Your first, let's just go back to the beginning. You I'm made ready. a bunch of shorts early. I think you started with uh, Friday the 13th fan film. Is that right? So, if, I mean, if you want to go back <laughs> to the beginning, beginning, um, I was born in 1977. <laughs> so uh, the 80s were happening now. You know what I mean? It was all mm-hmm. like happening as I was growing and pop culture was exploding and it was all just happening as I'm experiencing it new and fresh and everything and it was for somebody like me and my family uh who are also just goofballs I mean this was like I mean amazing I'm still stuck in the 80s to this day I I can't get out of it and I and I don't want to get out of it so so I grew up in a very goofy um like my uncles and my mom were so like, like the Seaver side of the family are just weirdos and, and eccentrics and goofballs and uh, don't take life too seriously. Okay. So um, my mom was very young when she had me, she was 16 when she had me. And so my grand, my great grandparents sort of said, you can't, you can't raise this kid. You're a kid. So they took me um but like my mom was still like in the neighborhood all of the family sort of lived around each other um <clears throat> and my great grandparents and my great aunt were like squares you know <laughs> they were just so like normal small town uh you got to be in sports and you got to you know do the typical kid thing sports and and all this shit and i was like no 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 so I, of course, gravitated towards the Seavers, my uncles and my mom, who were just off the wall. And um, the side that wouldn't have batted an eye if you said, I want to make a movie called Sex Squatch. No, totally, totally. So what I'm getting at is I saw a lot of movies at the theater that I probably shouldn't have seen. Um, <laughs> but off the bat, like from, like I said, I mean, once, I mean, you're born in 77, you're kind of, at least for me, I saw it as, you are born into Star Wars, right? Like mm-hmm. Star Wars is everywhere. Um, I 100% was a Star Wars kid. I was a Muppet kid, a Jim Henson kid. All of that stuff appealed to me. Um, e. I was never ending story myself. So it was the Henson all the I, I way. I like never ending story as well, uh, yeah, yeah. totally. Um, but my uh, family sort of nurtured the fact that I wanted to see all this weird shit and they just took me to see it. Um, and so you would think that seeing all all that stuff, the Spielberg stuff and everything early on in theaters, that, that, that would have pushed me to want to make movies. 
but it wasn't. So <clears throat> my mom and my un uncles also really loved horror movies. And in 1984, <laughs> uh, much to the rest of my family's chagrin, my mom and uncles took me to see Nightmare on Elm Street when it opened. <laughs> um, and I was seven years old. Yeah, we could do and, math here. Yeah, we could. <laughs> yeah. Okay, and, speak for some of us. <laughs> Jeff can do math. I was like, one, I was terrified. Um, but two, something about the movie made me come out of it and say to my mom, I would like to do that. Like, I, I want to not necessarily scare anybody, but I don't know what it was that Star Wars didn't do or say the Dark Crystal or anything like that didn't do to me when I saw that. But for some reason, Nightmare on Elm Street made me say, you know what, I want to, I want to like make a movie. Um, and so that Christmas, uh, my family got a video camera. Nice. And I stole it. I took it. <laughs> and I ran around and made like backyard shit with friends and neighbors and everything. So at the age of seven, you made anal paprika too. Oh my gosh, yes. And the family <laughs> loved it. <laughs> they said, oh, you're so cute, Chris. You're so cute. Those anal paprika films. Uh, but no, no. Um, so I was just making backyard stupidity with the friends. And ultimately I broke that camera um, and they kept buying new video cameras. Now these cameras were like, you know, 1200 bucks back in the right. day, um, but they just kept buying them. And then ultimately uh, they just got one for me. And they said, if you break it, that's it. Uh, <laughs> and so after probably breaking three, I took care of the one, the final. <laughs> you took care of um, yours, right? <laughs> yes, I took care of mine. They were smart. And, uh, <laughs> that's- And was so making just- goofy movies. It's you know? interesting when you said um, Nightmare on Elm Street, because I was thinking about this, because you said like Dark Crystal and Star Wars, which of course are also like, like Nightmare on Elm Street, they're visually incredible, right? They have the special effects, but Nightmare on Elm Street, I always remembered as being kind of fascinating because all of the films in the slasher and then monster slasher genre, they're in reality. And it's like the encroachment of insanity on reality. And looking back at your films, that's kind of heavily present i think right like i mean there's like the weirdsies especially of course like that takes place in what we would think of as the real world yet no one in that movie is in the real world see that's the that's the one thing that i did want to say and i totally whatever i take the criticism that my stuff is you hate it or you love it and there's really not much in between i know exactly what i'm doing i know exactly what i'm <laughs> and you can either get on board or get out the door and uh, that's just how it's going to be. I'm not going to change for anybody. And um, so the weirdsies does not take place in reality. Nothing I've ever done in any of my films takes place in the real world, as far as I'm concerned. That's depressing, because I thought Return to Blood Fart Lake was uh, <laughs> a documentary all of Bogey Creek. But now I'm second uh, guessing. No, I'm just kidding. I, I totally... It's you interesting. Either, here's the thing. You can either get on board for <laughs> that stupidity or you, you don't, you know? It's interesting because uh, I think a lot of us, part of the criticism was, especially, I know, I know Jeff, I've known everyone on this panel for many, many moons, longer than any of us would like to uh, uh, admit to. But Jeff and Mandy especially love 
things that I usually consider to be utterly idiotic. Um, and uh, and I think so. They loved we Moist do. Fury, and we did. And and I, I I enjoyed Moist Fury too, actually quite a bit. But <laughs> but then we came to the Weirdsies, where it's almost like there's it's not that there's not heart in the other films, but that one actually has like this sort of golden aura of innocence, even though it's about a bunch of people wanting to have sex with a corpse to lose their virginity. Really what the Weirdsies was supposed to be, uh, whether it succeeded or not, is up to the viewer, um, was a the most mainstream movie a Chris Seaver could be without compromising what a Chris Seaver movie is. Uh, and so that's... I think that's it feels that way. Um, I think it feels uh, that, that way. That might be where you lost me on it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get that. I totally get it. It's um, interesting. Especially if you do watch some of the earlier films that are just completely off the wall, um, like Filthy McNasty 3 or 4, or one of those movies, like, uh, what the fuck is going on in that shit? Uh, Weirdsies <laughs> was like a giant departure you know, from yeah, the, I was from gonna the, ask actually, did you have fans who were actually disappointed with the Weirdsies? Because I enjoy, I think the Weirdsies is incredibly polished, and that's something that I think for something like Moist Fury, it's it's not as polished. I don't think that was your intent, probably. Um, <laughs> but the Weirdsies, I mean, the whole movie wasn't my intent. <laughs> <laughs> we're gonna have to talk about that because I actually am a huge Moist Fury stan now, I'm, and, I, and that's the first time I've ever used that term, stan. I don't think I like it. Um, but I'm a fan of it. But with the Weirdsies, I mean, was the budget higher? Like, what was the process for that? Um, the Weirdsies, listen, so the, I would say probably the last uh, 15 years of stuff that I was doing um, was not sitting well with sort of the hardcore receiver fans mm -hmm. because I literally I was changing the way that I was doing things and I I was getting away from more of the you know the mulvas shit and come and all that stuff all over the place and the true like gritty filthy stuff and doing more of like uh mixing it mixing it up right like mm -hmm. showing people that I can be more than that but also giving them some of that right mm -hmm. uh, because as a writer <laughs> i'm like all right this is this is enough you know what i mean like <laughs> yes I, like for instance say uh, the early fans loved teen ape and bone jack two characters that became very beloved and tad is a fan probably like 15 16 movies right that mm -hmm. i did as a writer as the creator of these things i was like this shit is played you know, like, I can't do it anymore. I can't write and make myself laugh with these characters. It's just not working anymore. It's becoming so dry, so stale. And, but I have the fans in one ear saying, more, 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 you know, more of that, because that's, that's what we love. And I'm like, guys, you know, give me a break. Give me a break. Really? Teen ape? Mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, so I, um, so I would say the last like 15 years where I would put in more of, I guess, who I am uh, as a film lover and storyteller uh, wasn't sitting well with a lot of the old school fans. So I think honestly, some of those guys just 
left, you know? Uh, and I had to sort of rebuild a, a new audience mm -hmm. uh, who enjoyed the mixture of the both. Um, and I much prefer what I've been doing the last, like, you know, 10 years than what I did, you know, whatever. I mean, it's 30 year, 30 year anniversary of me starting Low Budget Pictures this year. Uh, Congratulations. That's awesome. You're going to, you're, you're rivaling trauma. Uncle Lloyd's going to come beat the shit out of you and burn the house down. Oh, man, I, I've got some Lloyd's stories. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I think I think many of us have Lloyd's stories. I've come across quite a few at this point. Um, but that brings me to, I mean, you've had you've worked with a lot of independent distributors over the years. Um, what? Yeah, right. Like, of people course, I love. Uh, people I grew up like idolizing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, and that's uh, a. I mean, I, of course, am always a big fan of, of Ron Bonk's Sub Rosa Studios. Um, mostly because uh, I, I, he responds to my emails and I can, and I can buy things very cheaply. Um, but I enjoy that as well. But what is like, what's been the, is there anyone that you will never work with again in the distribution game? Oh, uh, hey, your choice. <laughs> Drama. Yeah. Uh, that, uh, never. They, cause uh, I mean, they worked. Cause didn't they, was it? I had a I had a 10 year relationship with Troma. Um, I never worked for Troma, um, but I had real friendships uh, with the Troma team and I did stuff for Troma and they did stuff for my movies. And that lasted for 10 years. It all changed once I signed on the dotted line. Yeah. And then that relationship just crumbled and I haven't cared since. And that was like 11 years ago, you know? It's interesting. And now I have no interest in anything trauma whatsoever. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I, 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 I had a very brief, very minor uh, working relationship with trauma. I played the Toxic Avenger uh, at a at a convention in uh, the the Rock and Shock in. Oh, I, I have too. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly, and that's just and I remember them saying to me, um, "This is weird." you're too normal to be toxic. And I was like, that's odd. And then I was like learning as I wandered around as toxic. It wasn't the fans that were particularly interested. It was the other presenters and tables and everything that were like, oh, who are you today? You know, like they were like, oh, there's usually some guy in there who's just farting, belching and like wandering behind everyone's booth. Um, I was like, okay, didn't know that. And they paid me in DVDs, which for me, uh, I was going to say at the time, still uh, is totally fine. Classic promo. Right, exactly. Um, and it's just, they're, I mean, so as a Colton Classic podcast, I will always love trauma because they have given me, they were one of the early introductions into insanity, but they have a notorious history for not paying people <laughs> and uh, for taking things that were offered and never paying for them. Um, I know someone, uh, Marcos Cerrito, who did the awesome Human Hibachi recently. They it premiered on Trauma, uh, Trauma Now, their streaming service, um, and I and I hope that's been great for him. I know that the film was great, and so it's you know the, the feedback's been great. But uh, but yeah, and I don't think they're probably unique. I feel like a lot of these indie distributors. I mean, they're unique in the fact that they're actually a big distributor that sounds like a small distributor, right? Yeah. But I, I'll never, like, I love what I love from Troma. Right. I'm never going to, like, I'll never not watch Class of Newcomb High or The Toxic sure. Avenger, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, but 
and really, like I said, it's 11 years later. So now it just seems like such a, so stupid. Um, but at the time, after a 10 year relationship, sure. specifically with Lloyd yep. and how things went down, I never want anything to do with them ever again. Uh, so, and I'm fine with that. And I was fine, you know, it sucked at the time. Right. And it kind of, uh, you know, blew the sails out of me for a little while, but uh, I mean, <laughs> I got over it and I kept making movies, you know? So. Well, uh, and it's, it's one of those things trauma where. Trauma and they're going to do their thing and that's who they are and that's who they always will be. And they've always argued that that's why they're still trauma as opposed to dissolving disease because, but you know, it's one of those things when, and, and we've all been that, that fanboy or fangirl or fan non-binary where you're like, I love this so much that you sort of don't mind when you, you give your energy and blood and product up and to something that you like. And then it's, it's later sometimes that you're like, oh, I don't have to do that. And I actually don't want to do that. Um, and we yeah. get to that point. Um, and I, I still I mean, love a lot of people from there. Like I'm still friends sure. with the majority of the people that were there at the time and that helped me out. You know, uh, it's just speaking as someone who they won't respond to my emails. um, I, uh, I would love to work with you trauma. um, And if, uh, (laughs) if it takes me calling you out, uh, please come, come and, and, and take us. We'll, we'll happily, we'll happily do business with you. Um, I'm already making no money, so it's not really going to hurt. But (laughs) I noticed too, listen, back on the track of your, your body of work, as you said, there are characters who've been in, you know, over 15 of your films, give or take. Um, I'm, I'm a, I'm a particular fan of death bone. I think there are quite a few. Um, What do all of your films have some sort of crossover connection or is it just a mental connection that they all take place? Or are there some that you're like, Nope, not even the same thing. Um, First of all, Everybody in my movies are my buddies. They're my friends. Um, And if they weren't my friends, they were fans who accosted us at conventions and kept doing it until I said, do you want to just come and do this? (laughs) Um, And that is like that with a surprisingly uh, large group of of who you've seen. Um, I mean, that's why I brought you here on the podcast was to actually have an impromptu casting (laughs) session. This is an audition, Um, not an interview. you know, I've got some miles on my uh, on my on my Southwest that I got to burn. So, but... <laughs> so none of them are actors. Um, out of, I call them the group or the extended family. Out of that group, only two of them were really like considered, like you know, indie actors. And one was Billy Garbarina, mm-hmm. who plays Deathbone, and one was Desiree. And, but Desiree did my stuff first and then was like, you know, I really want to do this. And then mm-hmm. did more independent, then stopped doing those and came back to, to doing my stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've had you know, like Debbie Rashawn. Debbie Rashawn. Yeah, for she's sure. Considered part of the group. She's done like eight movies with us and she's part of the family. We love her. Um, so they're all like, just, you know, they're not actors. They're all hams. Uh, they just like doing this stupid shit that I tell them to do in front of the camera and uh, thankfully, they're really good at it. Um, so what will happen is I'll write the scripts for, you know, I'll say, hey, out of the gang, who can do this idea that I have? Let me know. 
because I'll write for them, right? So I'll write all these wacky characters. And if that character explodes, if it's like a, if I'm laughing, if everyone else is laughing and it's working, I'm going to write that character into the ground. Like Teen Ape, unfortunately. Um, (laughs) But characters like Deathbone, um, like Leo DeChamp, uh, Heather and Pugly, things like that. I truly find uh, just a blast to write. So it doesn't necessarily have to connect with the last movie, but you, you're damn right, I'm going to put Deathbone in this movie because it was such a great time mm-hmm. with that character in the last one. I'm going to put him in the next one. You know, these people can die. All the characters can die in one movie, but they're alive in the next <laughs> And they movie. sometimes do, yeah. Yeah, say. so it doesn't, you know, it's just if I'm having a great time, <laughs> writing these characters then they're probably going to show up in the movies and hopefully my friends will say yes to continue to play them you know so so that also brings me to the question so i've actually had this question for a while and i've asked several indie content creators because i have what i think is a brilliant script for feeders three um, which I wrote specifically knowing, right, that's a deep dive uh, for the Polonia, uh, uh, now Mark Polonia uh, Productions. Then, and, I, and I have been uh, drafting and redrafting letters to send to him saying that I would like to, to tackle this franchise for you, friend. I know it's very dear to your heart and I haven't had the guts to send them yet because I don't think that it's, it's, it, it needs the special magic to sell that. But have you ever thought with... Um, like a character that people love that you're currently done with that you would ever let somebody take the reins on it. Cause I was thinking, I have a background in comics and I was thinking of um, uh, Lobo from DC comics by, you know, Keith Geffen wrote Lobo forever, Alan Grant and so on. And eventually they all get to a point where like, I just, I didn't, like you said, I wasn't having fun with him anymore. So yeah. I'd done the same thing over and over again. And I didn't want to do it. And that's why it gets put to rest and the fans cry and, and, you know, whatever. And then eventually it comes out and they're like, I hate this. And then it goes back and they do it again. But it seems like sometimes it rejuvenates it because you see another interpretation and you're like, huh. Or you're like, no, I need to retcon. I need to exorcist to that shit out there. Uh, what is your thought on that? Um, I don't think I would ever let somebody else mess with one of my characters. Uh, but I definitely have thought, and I've actually been asked several times, and I've said no to a comic book uh, for some of these characters. Um, you know, that could be fun. Um, it's 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 weird, and I don't want to seem like snotty, but it's like they all have my voice. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So it's very weird. Like for instance the trauma thing uh they took that away from me and i didn't get to edit it and what they made was like what the fuck is this can i ask what film in particular that was uh it's called teenage versus the monster nazi apocalypse yeah and um i don't know what that is you know uh and i don't own it and i've seen it like twice maybe three times i will uh, say that one struck me that feels like a trauma movie yeah opposed, and and it and it's sort of it was um, not what it was supposed to be it wasn't a low budget pictures movie being made for trauma uh they turned it into something else and i was like i don't even know what this is you know uh so i don't like that i didn't like that feeling <laughs> yeah. 
you know, if if somebody comes to me and says, hey, let's, you know, let's do an animated version of like Teen Ape and Bone Jack. And I'm like, hey, man, if I can write them for the for animation, right. I certainly would give it a shot. But even then, I don't know if I would enjoy that. And f- furthermore, are these characters really that fucking viable? <laughs> like, it's so, they're so stupid. Viability you know? is a questionable is a questionable word in this in this in this industry anymore. Um, and also, I wonder too. Sometimes I, especially from the the messages I get um, uh, to the podcast during quarantine and that the shelter in place and COVID, the whole deal, I've been getting more and more th- questions about things that I've done in the past where people want more of something or they're like, can you talk about this? And I'm like, that's horrible. Like, it's just pure garbage. Why do you want more of that? And I think it's sort of like when you are awake for like, you know, 36 hours and things start to be amazingly entertaining to you with zero value, you know, like, and and it's sort of like that. We've been so starved and stuck and in a weird place that now people want like that crazy, insane escapist noise uh, that, that it just, I, I don't have it in me right now. Um, at the same time, I mean, I, I just put, you know, a, a pendulum pictures SOV box on, on repeat and watch this horrible, you know, <laughs> things over and over again. And it's all for you listeners, all for you. Um, I, I guess, so, so, so no, no teenage. No, I don't no want anybody t- doing anything with that shit. Um, and certainly in today's environment, are you Ooh, kidding yeah. me? Yeah. Oh my well, God. And that's the thing too. And, and we get a lot of, I get a lot of questions on that. Um, uh, for, I say a lot. Uh, two questions is a lot <laughs> for me. Um, when I get, I've got a lot of questions about like, what about these things that are socially unacceptable in this movie or that movie or whatever, or as a stand-up comedian in this joke. And I always kind of bring it back to the, to the idea that I'm like, just because like I never wanted wanted to be that person who is like, um, well, it's just a joke, blah blah blah, because that's stupid. If I can't tell you something intelligent about why I did something, even if it's like, oh, well, I thought it was funny and it's actually really stupid, that's that's intelligent enough because it could be true. But I'll be like, well, what was the intent? Number one, and number two, if somebody doesn't like it, and like right now with the, you know, we're all still reeling from the effects of Harvey Weinstein, who everyone knew was a giant pig slug monster. Like, if you can't, like, I, I'm okay being sensitive to other people's needs when they've been injured. I'm not injured. I'm just weird. And I can handle that to a point. Um, but then when we go after things, like we go after allies, like I look at the weirdsies and um, uh, there's, there's tons of offensive things in the weirdsies, but at the same time, I never felt mean-spirited out of that. Um, it doesn't feel mean-spirited. In fact, everyone in it feels kind of, uh, I mean, Last Chance Lance, even the, 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 the villain of the picture is so innocuous and goofball. Like he's just as much an outcast as, as the weirdsies. Like, you know what I mean? Like it just, it didn't hurt. And, and sometimes I think we forget because we look at what's printed on the page and go, oh, that's awful, as opposed to actually reviewing the real deal of what the end, which gives you so much more nuance, which is a really roundabout way of saying, before you tear something apart, please watch it, please read it. Um, you know, I've had people who are like, well, I didn't, I wasn't sure about this story you wrote, so I downloaded it before I did it, you know, uh, illegally downloaded. It. And I'm like, okay, well, 
I'm glad you're telling me you like it. Can you go buy it now? I understand the purpose, but please. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I, I guess that's, that's what I take. But I, with that said, what do you see as your next feature project? Or do you see another feature project? And the answer should be yes. Otherwise, I'm going to have to end this. Oh, yeah, I'm doing stuff. <laughs> you know, I'm doing stuff. I, um, I haven't really changed what I do that much um, because of the times. Um, I think I'm just not a good enough filmmaker to sort of uh, get across what we were doing in a lot of those movies. Um, it just, it was very, we may have had a certain intention uh, that I just wasn't good enough to, you know, show to an audience where to an audience, it just comes off as pure, like all oh, these guys, these guys are misogynists and they are racists and blah, 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 this, that, and the other thing. Uh, but for us, again, listen, <clears throat> I grew up in the 80s, very, very different time. Sure. Um, and so, unfortunately, or fortunately, <clears throat> whoever you come across, this is the stuff that influenced me, right? So there's certain things that I can recognize from the 80s and the, and the stuff that I love that were terrible. They were terrible then, and they're terrible now. But um i always felt that with my movies if i was going to do that then i'm going to poke fun at that stereotype i'm going sure. to poke fun at that cliche um because of what we're emulating it's okay you right know, in this world and what we're doing tongue uh, firmly planted in cheek kind of situation absolutely like like know, death bone curing <laughs> curing uh lesbianism with a quote deep dicking in moist fury yes. which was a fave it, on the podcast like the guys in my movies are deplorable <laughs> they fucking suck they're terrible human beings for the most part which I is fairly like, like life i mean not completely well so here's what was happening so i was you know going through college and everything with seeing who i was seeing and seeing the different types of human beings for not on the screen but for in real life for the first time right and being like wow there's actually like people like this i thought it was hilarious i could <laughs> not believe it so i hate those people i can't stand people like that so i'm gonna do it to the 11th degree <laughs> in my <laughs> movies and hope somebody gets the joke most of the time people don't get the joke and they just say wow, this Chris Siever dude hates women. You know what I mean? Like, wow, this, this Chris Siever dude just doesn't get it. Like he is, he is an offensive dude. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, what do you do? Right. You know what I mean? No, yeah. I, I, I think, I think that when you came through, I think everyone on the podcast, like totally got that joke. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like we talked about it a little bit, but we definitely like, kind of like went around all the, the multiple angles that it could have been. We're like, oh no, like they're all in on it. They get it. Like they know exactly what they're saying. And this is supposed to be really funny. Totally do. And, and Deathbone is that character. Yeah. Deathbone in that world truly believes that there's no one better than him. You know, like he is a terrible fucking human being or terrible barbarian, terrible modern barbarian. The, the guy sucks and he's only <laughs> out for himself um that is extremely funny to me yeah can you answer one question i have chocolate. 
the beginning of Moist Fury, Deathbone has a Toblerone. Where did he yeah. get that Toblerone? Where? Because I think they're like seven dollars. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. black black market shit, man. I mean, that's, uh, <laughs> that's underground. Toblerone, like, and Toblerone is a thing that I've been putting in the movies for years. <laughs> Jeff, are you kidding me? What? What? Toblerone. People, sponsor, yeah, right? people, people who actually are watching this on YouTube, uh, if I've loaded it up, Jeff has a physical Toblerone. And I'm going to be honest, I haven't been in an airport recently enough to see a Toblerone bar. Um, you can buy them on Amazon, man. I mean, you, I found, it's I, like I, it costs like a human soul. I sold I sold uh, your human soul because I didn't think you'd give a shit. Oh, good luck collecting that. I, I find Toblerone to be hilarious. Uh, so I put it in my movies. One, the name is ridiculous. And two, I I always had this joke that Toblerone was Canadian, but it's not Canadian. So everyone would counter that with, no, it's from Switzerland, I believe, you know, uh, because every anytime I would go to Canada, you would have mountains of Toblerone everywhere you look. <laughs> uh, I just found it funny to me. It was just so funny to me. So I was like, you know what? Everyone in my movies loves Toblerone. We're just gonna put it in there. Same with the John Stamos thing, like early on, and I don't know how many movies you guys have seen, but very early on, John Stamos was a running gag in all of the movies. And it became a sort of like a drinking game to people. People would come up and say, hey, we started a game with this. How many times can you spot John Stamos in the background of a scene in one movie? You know, And I would do it every scene on coverage, on Masters, <laughs> everywhere you looked, Stamos was. Have you ever reached out and been like John? Well, John uh, found out about it. <clears throat> so he was <laughs> on tour with the Beach Boys and um, he was doing an interview with somebody. And I don't deal with IMDb. I've never dealt with IMDb. I don't really particularly <laughs> find it uh, uh, a legitimate thing. Um, so somehow my stuff always ends up on IMDb, even in those early days. Uh, so in the credits, John Stamos would be listed in a lot of these movies. Right? <laughs> uh... So this interviewer was like, tell me about scrotal vengeance. <laughs> and, and Stamos was like, yeah, I know about those guys. Um, funny. Um, I'm not in these movies, you know. From he's like, from what I gather, it's just a picture or something like that. And then, like a couple months later, his webmaster got a hold of me and said, "Hey, John would like to see some of these movies." And I said, "I will totally make a care package. I 100% oh, will make a care package." and sent it to him and I haven't, you know, never heard anything, you know, back. I didn't think I would, but the fact that he knew about it was was good enough for us. I am, it is, it is on my bucket list to now ask John Stamos wandering around downtown Los Angeles when he, that is, that is brilliant. I, I, that, yeah, that's the sort of bucket list thing, right? Like, you know, that Michelle Visage getting a, a supposed cease and desist from Madonna for lookalike, you know, like you're just like, oh, my idol or somebody that I hold in such esteem, even if it's because of my own concoction of him. <laughs> it was great because we, we clearly saw that he had a sense of humor about it yeah. and he didn't give a shit. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, so, 
I don't know. I would. I always said that the white whale would be to get John Stamos in a cameo, but we would only put him in a frame in the background. So it would really be him. <laughs> holding up a frame. That's a good bit. Yeah. I would love it. I would <laughs> love it. Um, yeah, I, this side story when he this is after he and Rebecca Romain uh, uh, got divorced and she married Jerry O'Connell. My wife was working at a play production thing where a bunch of people were donating their time uh, or getting stipends or whatever for working with young kids who wanted to be stage writers. And uh, Jerry O'Connell was in one of the productions. Now, my wife knows me, so she watches a lot of the same movies I watch. And we had seen Alexander Aha's. Uh, piranha remake where if nobody on this uh, yeah brilliant absolutely beautiful there's the fantastic scene where jerry o'connell the sort of like porny schmoozer gets his penis bitten off by a piranha and then we see it underwater get coughed up by a piranha only to be re-eaten by a piranha and then jerry o'connell on the boat screaming uh they ate my dick or something like that <clears throat> um brilliant film go watch it uh, it was fantastic to see in the theaters, by the way, because people were like on board with the kooky goofiness of it in the beginning. And then when it gets to the hardcore, aha, uh -huh, graphic destruction of bodies, they were just like heaving. It was fantastic. But I loved it. Yeah, totally great. Um, but so she met him and everybody was like, oh, I love you and stand by me because that's what you know, a lot of people know. Uh, and of course, I would have been like, hey, like I watched Sliders uh, with I was one of those two people. And um, I watched uh, My Secret Identity. My Secret Identity. I've never he, heard of that. He did, a, he did a show for three years. It was in the 80s. And I loved it. And I actually have it on bootleg DVD nice. um, where he's a superhero. <gasps> My he, secret gets, identity. he gets crazy powers. And the way he can fly is by uh, spraying aerosol cans. And he like flies <laughs> and, and he solves crimes. And it's called My Twitter, Secret Identity. Twitter would hate that now. Um, <laughs> And, but what she said to him when, when he came around to her, she said, by the way, I'm sorry they ate your penis. And his response was, it's okay. They didn't really eat my penis. And, but when she met Rebecca Romain in the audience, she says, I love you in Austin Powers too. Because everybody was like, you're so beautiful. You're amazing. I loved you in X-Men. You're just gorgeous. And Rebecca Romain was so concerned apparently by this bizarre comment that she turned away and did not speak for the rest of the time. So I thought that I thought that 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 dynamic between the two of them must be really fascinating behind closed doors. Um, God doesn't give with both hands. Oh, and uh, I'm just kidding. Rebecca Main, welcome to the show. Come on, come on anytime. Uh, you'll be in the credits. And uh, yeah, so. <laughs> I don't know where I was going with this, but that's fantastic. Um, we're getting close here to when I have to cut you free. Close, but not quite yet. What do you What do you want to plug? Like, if you had to, talking, I got nothing going on. <laughs> that's not. Uh, well, I I wish I had nothing going on. Um, that's actually something I want to ask you because I know. So, do you? The reason I asked this before I'm going to preface this question um, with some more stammering. When I interviewed Donald Farmer. Yeah. maker of beloved shark exorcist which was on our first episode um tad don't That's shake your head he tad went and bought it himself he, he bought the japanese bootleg action figures That's real go look at it um yeah. <laughs> uh he he sort of startled me by saying i can't come in i'm working my day job because you know he's been making movies for 
40 plus years now. And I think a lot of, even me who has several day jobs uh, is like, really? Like you're, you're not making like how much, what are you making? So I know you also have a day job. Do you actually make any sort of feasible income with your films? <laughs> the look on your face. I wish I could bottle it. <laughs> no, never have. And I probably never will. So uh, do they, do they, the, it's do the they fund themselves inside me? Right. Is why am I still doing this? Uh, you know, I, I gotta have some sort of passion and fire for it. Cause otherwise it's, Right. It's just a giant waste of time. Well, uh, I mean, like you said, conventions and stuff are really great. And COVID has killed that part of it because getting to meet people who actually care and enjoy and like senior stuff, it's really kind of brutal to not have that connection. Um, and, you know, we're lucky enough to have social media, I use that in air quotes, um, these days, just at least to get some sort of sense of community. But it is sort of wild how much so many of us put into stuff that really is not paying any sort of bills. It's just a money pit, you know, it's yeah. you, you've taken the toilet out of the bathroom and you're just dumping everything in that brackish hole on the floor. Um, yeah. If you, if you, if it wasn't movies, it would be something else. It's just, we sure. All, we all... I mean, pour our money. To, I mean, that's money what heroin addicts are, right? Like they're just like, well, yeah. I'm not going to make movies. So I'm just going to inject smack. Um, and guys don't send me letters on that. And, uh, <laughs> I guess my question is, have you thought about one thing that I've noticed people doing, especially on Instagram, I don't know why Instagram, which I, I love, it's great. We have 1000 fans here on Instagram. Uh, thank you guys so much, but, uh, it should be 20,000. So keep liking when a lot of these filmmakers are starting to do their own distribution and they're doing it with really low run limited editions that sell for a high price. Mm. And I've been looking at it with enough interest and enough of them on my own shelf, thinking that I wonder if this is actually more of a feasible market because certainly not getting anything from putting it in a streaming plan, um, you know, with whoever. And so if I'm selling, uh, if I get a box of 200 printed up and I do something special with them and sell them for $45 or whatever, that's more of a income gain than ever distributing with any, not any, but many of these distributors. Have you seen that happening? Have you thought about that? Um, I did it for a little while and I, I hated it. Like, I don't <laughs> like being a business. I'm not right. a business. I, I want nothing to do with that side of any of it. Uh, unfortunately, you know, I, I wanna make money doing what I love, but at this point, <laughs> 30 years in, and I'm almost 44, it ain't happening. Um, <laughs> so I don't know, like I'm at a, it's a, it's a weird, I think that if I'm gonna continue the way that I'm doing it now, um, really the convention thing is, is the only way I'm gonna get my stuff out there to a wider audience. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, some of these, thankfully I've been doing it long enough and uh, I have enough movies under my belt. <laughs> some of these companies come back around and say, oh shit, it's the anniversary of this. 
Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to do some new releases and, <laughs> you know, re-release this and clean this up and things like that. So that's been really awesome because a couple of them have, you know, come to me recently and, you know, things are, things are going to be coming out that uh, are sort of going to recharge the whole Seaver thing and Seaververse and LBP and all that stuff because you know it's been 20 years uh, since I worked with JR Bookwalter and mm -hmm. Happy Entertainment which is now Makeflix and mm -hmm. uh, you know and they do some really cool stuff right now I'm very excited well, with them there's a lot of a lot of Seaver on the way. Woo! See, uh, here's the thing. You heard it here first, guys. We're a legitimate news source, and I'm very grateful. And I'm going to say this, too. I'm glad because in trying to backtrack and get a bunch of the films that I saw of yours, like Mulva and stuff, originally, uh, I've been uh, roadblocked uh, many times lately, and it's uh, tiresome to add more white whales to my little text document on my desktop being like, hey, where can I find this damn thing? Well, there's a bunch coming. Good. Uh, that, you know, are gone, uh, no longer available. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you, you don't, you don't, you mean I don't have to do another pendulum pictures dive and go through the archives of any I mean, eBay? there's certainly, listen, we, I mean, I, I would say that there's probably like 38 movies of mine that are out there in the world uh, as far as national distribution is concerned. And then the rest I only dealt with. Uh, and you could only get them from me or at conventions and whatnot. And I have no interest in putting those out officially. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, some of them we made specifically for a convention we made with certain things in mind, knowing that it wasn't going to go national, uh, so we could do more things in that one mm. <laughs> as opposed to the right. other. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, now I'm at that point where I think I think I'm comfortable just just doing the convention thing once once it kicks back in, um, and I had been. You know, I started going to conventions in 93 and started selling in 96. And I'm still not tired of them. I love right. them. They're and awesome. for me, it's uh, far more rewarding to talk to a human being mm -hmm. in person than it is all of this and, and emails or whatever it is. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I get to really hear from the fans and new fans and that is far more appealing to me and and uh, uh i cherish that and um it's also like a i also feel like i'm doing i'm working you mm -hmm. know what i mean right whereas act like this i'm just doing it and then something happens and i don't know that right. you don't get that satisfaction of uh somebody getting it and this is right there it's instant gratification it's like wow i did my job you know somebody liked the spiel somebody liked the trailer of whatever this was and they bought it and hopefully they enjoy it and you know i i worked for it <laughs> do you do you travel nationwide to conventions or do you stick to the east coast um yeah we haven't gone outside i mean i would love to do a show in california 
I would love to do that. We have a spare condo out here, not to dust my shoulder off. It's it's not mine technically, but it is a bed. So uh, you're welcome the to head out here. Monster and stuff like that. Yes, that absolutely. Like, I would love to do those. Um, so yeah, we've stuck around. I mean, we've done Canada as well, uh, but that but that's close to us. Right. Um, so yeah. Two things before we head out. One, I know you 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 post um you have great posts on Instagram. Follow uh, on Instagram. Uh, it's it's uh, it crept from the eighties, uh, and then you also have uh, the same name uh, on your YouTube channel. Um, yeah. Lots of interesting stuff. Get to know more into your brain, and you use the word Seververse now. John Stamos for you is now Adam right at the movies.com Thorn for me. I have been mentioning Adam Thorne for odd reasons in probably five of the last 10 episodes. Um, I don't know why it pops in mind, but he let me know. And I, of course, caught it when I watched his film, uh, Assault on the Snake Men. Go check out one of our mini-sodes to cover that. That he referenced Bloodfart Lake from your Bloodfart Lake series. And that now you have a multi-film uh, family Seververse. Is that something you're looking to expand? Are you um, hoping that Spielberg will someday reference that? <laughs> that is not true. Um, <laughs> Adam, I do not know. Like, I've met once. Um, <laughs> he, he accosted me and my cousin Casey, who plays teenage at a convention. Um, <laughs> mostly i just know him from online he's a fan of my stuff mm -hmm. i haven't seen one of his films well uh, uh i urge everyone to check out assault on the snake man and let me say this um colton classic takes place at blood fart lake and <laughs> we are officially part of the Seververse. um and I will sign autographs of my headshot, which is wildly out of date. And yes, I have blonde frosted hair. It was the 90s. Okay, uh, so Adam is a good dude, as, yes. as far as I know, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we haven't checked dude. the police records, Adam, but uh, everyone asked, can- <laughs> I remember when he, he asked permission, yep. if he could like say stuff about my movies and his movies. I was like, I don't care, go ahead, <laughs> you know? And that was it. So, sure. uh, you know. Well, it was a very clever way, Adam, of inserting your film into the greater Seaver discography. And I commend <laughs> you for your intuitive thinking. And everyone, uh, Adam writes a really great film blog, right at themovies.com. Find him on Instagram as well. So last thing here, uh, check out Make Flicks, of course, for your movies. Uh, keep eye out for conventions to follow Chris here. And, uh, you know, Chris, when that next movie hits, you got to let us know. Um, and I am available for bookings. If you'd like to put me in your cast, um, I, 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 uh, I, I have an outdated headshot. <laughs> Video <laughs> watchers are watching Chris shake his head vigorously in the no <laughs> position. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for being here. This hey, is, thank, I mean, thanks for asking, you know, uh, to be fair, I think you actually told me that you needed to be oh, on I the said, show. Oh yeah. You know what? Here's the thing. You know what bothered me? This is funny. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't care like what anybody thinks of my movies because, hey, sometimes I agree. <laughs> but uh, the thing that bothered me, and this is going to be maybe shocking for, for you guys. We're out of time, Chris. I, no, but um, I don't. So you guys said that I probably saw Thanks Killing. You uh, didn't see Thanks Killing? No. I think no. that was me that said that. 
Uh, I said I that. Have not seen oh, Thanksgiving. You? I have zero interest in that movie. <laughs> uh, it's going to shock you guys, but for the most part, I really hate no budget films. I really do. <laughs> They're terrible. They're fucking yeah. terrible. I love them. Uh, some pe- and there's just so many people out there who truly don't know what the fuck they're doing. Uh, and and that may seem ridiculous coming from somebody like me. I know but... I can't tell because you're, we're on Zoom, but I feel like you're looking at me. Um... <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just, I'm saying like, I've said this to so many people and people are just like, really? I'm like, yeah, man, you gotta be a, like, I love garbage. Like, like Samurai Cop to me is fucking gold. Like, I think that movie is hilarious. But you put in front of me something like Thanksgiving, there's no way I'm going to like it. I'm going to look <laughs> at it and be like, holy shit, these guys, the, the writing is terrible. The acting is terrible. Like, they don't, are, they're trying too hard to do what they're doing. Are you sure? Because I'm pretty sure it takes place right off the coast of Bloodfart Lake. Um, I'm pretty sure it does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so and 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 to be fair uh those of you guys out there who listened to our review of thanks killing which we enjoyed very much um check out headhunter which was the film after they did the first two thanks killing films uh and and actually had a budget and it's quite stunning to look at so it's an interesting parallel uh but yeah it's i really thought you had because it is like a direct quote from thanks killing so um i didn't check snopes on that i'm sorry uh but i'm glad you came to set the record straight Um, yeah uh, absolutely yeah. it takes a special i'm weird man like i gotta it it really takes something special for me to be like okay these guys know what they're doing and sure. i'm not talking about filmmaking in general i'm talking about my movies are jokes okay and i know exactly what it is uh, which is the difference between you and michael bay who doesn't <laughs> know that his movies are jokes Continue. Uh, the whole movie is a joke and you're either in on that joke and you get the punchline, which is the end of that movie, or you don't. <laughs> so I, I have no misconceptions of what a Chris Seaver movie is. I know exactly what I'm making. Um, but some of these dudes out there, man, some of these filmmakers, I don't know. I don't think they have a grasp of what they're doing. And I think they're just doing it to do it. And they think they're going to make some money. And sure. that sucks and so and you can see that and it's it saturates like, the market for the dude, rest of us who have something we enjoyed making and want to put out there like those fucking everyone who do, who jumped on the shark thing like fuck you you know like <laughs> is it that good of a fucking thing that you're like now we got to make a shark movie which it's brings us like, to like, uh the out. next episode that's of cult and classic terrible. where we talk about house shark um and bad cgi <laughs> no, sharks i'm just no, kidding <laughs> It's, it, you're jumping on something. You're jumping like, clown uh, this, clown that, shark this, shark that. So, Make something that is from you, man. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's, oh. there's, I, I forgive a lot, but mean-spirited things against women where it's not the, it's not a joke, um, and not just women, but gay people, anyone, really. Um, I am a man, and I see lots of terrible men, so oftentimes I feel it's cathartic to watch men get murdered and things, and that's fine. Um, we're in power. That's okay. Like that. It's not a danger. Sure, but anything where someone, I, I watched, um, I can't remember which clown movie it was. I, of course, am one of the resident bad horror movie reviewers for horrornews.net. Go check it out. Um, but yeah, there's some that I am simply a bad movie that's successful is one where I I don't leave or turn it off. That's a successful bad movie. I may not even enjoy it. Um, but there are 
occasionally movies where I fly into a rage at the end, like where I am just miserable to be around because the people involved, they didn't just troll me. They, they were put here on earth by Satan. Uh, and I'm not even Christian to literally make my life worse for about an hour and a half. And, uh, and those movies really are awful. And, um, uh, I, I, I really feel you on that, but I think we probably have a different tolerance because uh, I love Thanksgiving and I love Moist Fury. And uh, <laughs> if you, last thing here before we head out, uh, if you, one movie, but I know you enjoy the weirdsies and I enjoyed it as well. And I think we all had some stuff to talk about. If you had one movie, you could say, hey guys, watch this movie. It's one of my favorites. What would it be that you made? course uh well i'll say tear up blood fart lake i'll say sex squatch and i'll say a movie called geek war uh we do a special episode we certainly can i i actually i will say this i actually i own geek war and i found it uh at a an angel view thrift store out here in in palm desert california so you've got a widespread <laughs> yep yep it was next to two copies of sucker punch um perfect yeah exactly it should totally fit so thank you so much for being a part of this chris siever uh to play us out as always is the chud with all about evil um i would love for the chud to be on a chris siever film soundtrack um i know that you've been asking for that so i hereby offer the uh choices thank you guys so much uh please leave us reviews wherever you find your podcast follow chris siever at uh, it crept from the 80s on uh youtube and instagram everywhere yeah everywhere just scream it out your window and and information on saber will follow hey everyone thanks for listening to cult and classic podcast this podcast is important to me but what's more important are the rights privileges and freedom from violence of everyone in this country and in this world and that means supporting black lives matter if you'd like to make a donation please go ahead and visit coltonclassicpodcast.com where we have a list of places you can donate and help out And please stay safe.